royal glory. That's what awaits the author who wins the Cast of Wonders Try Wonders Flash Fiction Contest. But to do this, that author must survive three trials. Three extremely competitive trials. As part of joining the Escape Artist's family and to continue a favorite tradition, Cast of Wonders is excited to announce they will be running the next Flash Fiction Contest on our forums this autumn. Each author is invited to place one original YA flash fiction story into the Goblet of Wonder between August and September 15th. The selection of champions will take place in a members-only section of the forum, so participation in the contest does not cause the loss of first publication rights. It's easier to become a member than it is to get into wizarding school. Visit escapeartist.net to enroll and for all the pertinent details and rules. Podcastle, episode 429, for August 16th, 2016. Wolfy Things, by Aaron Roberts, rated R. Salam, good people. This is Khalida Muhammad Ali, assistant editor over here at Podcastle. I hope you've all been well. Canis Lupus otherwise known as the wolf, has a pretty bad rap among humankind, such that we've written unflattering fairy tales about them. Little Red Riding Hood, The Boy Who Cried Wolf, and The Three Little Pigs. I'm gonna huff and puff and... And we've created legends and mythos about them, such as the all-too-frightening werewolf. They are unwelcome guests in farming communities due to the very rare attack on cattle. But the fact is, these apex predators have developed a healthy fear of us and try pretty hard to stay away from human-populated areas. Wolves even mate for life and live in a pack with their offspring. Much like humans, wouldn't you say? Or not. The truth is, humans are far less loyal than wolves and much more dangerous. I mean, it's not like they hunt for sport. Podcastle is very proud to present Wolfy Things, written by Aaron Roberts, and this is a Podcastle original. Aaron Roberts lives in New York City under the watchful eye of her cat, Crumb Snatcher. She is an MFA student at Stone Coast, a graduate of the 2015 Odyssey Writing Workshop and a workshop leader for the New York Writers Coalition. When not writing, she can most often be found singing karaoke, lifting heavy objects, or trying to change the world. You can check out her latest exploits at at N-I-R-E-L-E Nirel or on writingwonder.com. Your narrator this week was born in the swamps of South Georgia, where he was orphaned as a child by a pack of wild dogs. He was adopted by a family of gators who named him Maui Threv, which in their language means mechanical frog music. He was taught the ways of swamp music and the Moog synthesizer, 
by a Razorback and a Panther. His music has been featured in episodes of Pseudopod. He has expanded his sonic territory across all 100,000 watts of Wreck in Atlanta, where you can listen to The Mobius every Wednesday night. It is available on stream via the internet as well. Now, on to our story. Keep your friends close and your enemies even closer, if you know who they are. Wolfy Things by Aaron Roberts Tonight, me and Lee gonna kill the wolf. Been digging a pit out in the woods all summer, filling it up with wolf's bane and sharp rocks big as our heads, covering it up with leaves so wolfy eyes can't tell it's there. Lee even snatched a whole chicken out of his paw's coop, snapped its neck, and threw it on the pile like some kind of wolf Christmas come early. Wolf just has to go sniffing over by the edge, and we give a good push, and we'll be Nicky and Lee, honest to God wolf killers. Lee says they're still going to be talking about us when our grandkids is old and crook-backed, just like they do old Cooper lines. Coop's mean as a snake in a woodpile. But ever since he tricked that whole pack into calling truce and then burned them to the ground, cubs and all, they about throw him a parade whenever he comes through town. So by sunup, ain't nobody going to care why I ain't got no daddy or where Lee's ma went off to or how I got my devil eyes. And once that damn wolf's good and dead, he won't be coming around my house no more. First time I seen the wolf was two years past, day I turned ten old enough to handle a knife and stand watch like Lee done for his paw three years already. Wasn't really nothing to see out there but the same old trees and stars and Lee's paw cabin down the way, but better than watching moss sniffle and drip tears all over the floor like a leaky roof. She'd been like that since forever. River in her eyes and stone in her throat, always gulping out things about vows and sins and being sorry and... Ain't a man alive wants to watch his own ma cry. I woke mid-watch, leaned up against the side of the cabin, knife on the ground and wolf in my face, its goldy eyes flashing like fireflies. Froze me up faster than a tongue on ice. Barely got my legs squeezed together tight enough not to piss the ground. Lee always says a wolf will kill you right off soon as it sees you, adds you to its coat of little boy skins. But this one just stood there, Tall on hind legs, hairy and naked as a hound dog, spun like new killed hogs and dirt and bare feet after running. Then it honest to God started talking, real words and everything, voice deep as far off thunder. Your ma knew you're out here. Hearing it talk about ma unfroze me right quick. Man can't let no beast come for his kin. I reached for the knife, but Wolf grabbed hold of my wrist and laughed. I tried turning this way and that, but it didn't make no difference. Its palms was spongy soft, but they clamped down tight as a bear trap all the same. Let go, I said, voice coming out high and squeaky. So you can grab your knife and gut me? Do what I have to, I said, growling in my throat to get my voice deep. Protect my kin. Can't protect nothing with your eyes closed. They open now, I said, puffing my chest up big like I seen birds do. 
Ain't matter if it had me by the wrist or the throat. Can't show no beast you're weak. Keep them that way, Wolf said. Dangerous out here at night. I ain't scared of you. Good, it said, dropping my wrist and flashing fangs like the devil trying to smile. I swung out, hard, but my arms wasn't long enough to reach, and all the wolf did was laugh again, low and quiet under that fangy smile. Be sure and tell your ma I came by. You leave her alone! Wolf laughed harder this time, long and loud and wild. Felt the sound rippling all the way in my toes. You ask her about that one. Before I could do nothing more, Wolf fell back into the night, melted away like snow in spring. I ran inside fast as I could and woke Ma, but telling her just got her asking how he looked and checking out the window and giggling and, and then crying again harder than ever. I swore right then I'd kill that thing one day. Don't like nothing messing with my ma. Wolf ain't show his face again for a full year. Not till the night I turned 11. Ma throwed me a party for my birthday. Just the two of us. But she wore her yellow Sunday dress and fixed wildberry pie and made me wash my feet and everything. She's in one of her sunshine moods all day. Humming some song, I don't know. Touching her hair all the time like bugs had gotten in or something. Even caught her looking out the window once or twice. Don't worry about that wolf, Ma, I said. Probably ain't coming back no ways. Of course not, Ma said, voice shaky. I moved the pie so she wouldn't salt it none if she started crying. Lucky got you, baby. Real lucky. We ain't meant to travel this life alone. Don't you worry, I said. I ain't gonna let him hurt you. That got her smiling a little bit. My brave boy, she said. Must be all that sunshine in your eyes. She's always saying that. Lee says it looked like hellfire damnation, but he ain't never stayed awake for a full sermon on Sunday, so he don't know heaven from hell, really. You go on now, Ma said. Bring in some wood from the shed. And if you see that wolf looking around... You just let him know how brave you are. That was going to be easy. Ain't nothing braver than doing some killing. Wolf was there as soon as I got to the woodshed, all dressed up like a man, tall and dark-haired and wearing some old sheet like it was a shirt. But I was on fire and smell of blood and mud and river. So you're still playing killer, he said. Don't know what you mean, I said faking an itch and hiding my knife behind my back. This time, I was ready. Lee told me all about how just a plain hunting knife can't hurt no wolf, how you gotta dip it in crushed up wolf's bane first. I hated picking up them flowers, all purple and girly and smelling like death, making my hands feel like fire ants had crawled on them. But at least this time wouldn't nobody be laughing. Your ma teach you to lie like that? I ain't lying. Preachers say I was wrong for that. But then preachers say only good wolf is a dead wolf. So I figured it came up even. Trade you for the knife, Wolf said. Call it a birthday present. How you know my birthday? You been spying on me? 
give me that thing and I'll tell you. Wolf smiled big and toothy, stuck out a hand full of wild berries. I head out real fast with the knife, felt it hit skin before he could pull back. Half the berries went flying and half got crushed up, dripping purple off his hand like spilt communion wine. He started chuckling like before, but it turned Hal halfway through and he clutched at his wrist, shagging against the shed. Wolf's bane? His whole body shivered as he said it, hairs on his neck flicking back and forth and lines on his forehead pulling together, looking deep and dark as old man scars. Kills wolves, I said. Kills men too, Wolf said. Then he brought his palm up to his face, started sucking the berries and the wolf's bane right off, spitting them out into the darkness. Even kills little boys that ain't quite either. Hot damn! Lee's voice round the corner of the shed. Wolf crouched down, suit as it heard it, whimpered as he put the scratched hand down on the ground. Could see his hairy neck still shaking, close enough to slash through, but the knife felt heavy in my hand for a second. Then he was gone. Why ain't you kill it? Lee asked, pushing my back up against the shed. His voice sounded half whisper, half shout. I ain't had the chance. He ran off when he heard you. Told you not to keep creeping around here trying to be the one to get him. You blaming me? You the one let it get away. Knew what should have kept on you soon as you saw it last time. You ain't man enough to take care of nothing. Lee's breath was all hot and his spit was landing on my face like rain and I grabbed the knife handle tight. Could kill a man as easy as a beast if I needed to. Wolf said so. Get off me. Got him with the wolf's bane like you said. What else do you want? Want it dead, Lee said. Want all them damn beasts dead. You want them to poison the water or curse the weed or take your ma like they took mine? I shook my head. Of course, Missy Green said Lee's ma ran off with one of them Bible sellers, but no reason to tell Lee all that. Not when he's about ready to hit me. Lee ain't moved for a while. Just stood there close enough to share breath. I squeezed the knife so hard my fingers hurt, but he ain't make a fist or nothing. Just stood there inside. We ain't losing it again, he said. Next time, me and you gonna kill that thing proper, like men do. You gotta get it to come this way, Lee says. He's sitting on a rock by the edge of the pit, chewing on sour grass and stomping ants. But you two so friendly, probably just gonna pet it and ask it nice. Told you it ain't say nothing to me. Just begging not to kill it. That ain't quite right, but... It's all Lee needs to know. Heard what I heard, Lee said. Like how maybe your ma lay off. I try to yell it, but I hear my voice getting all tight and gaspy. Lee just laughs his mean laugh, loud and sharp like a shotgun firing. Fine, he says. But you get that thing to come this way tonight. Said I'd get it here ten times already, didn't I? Man's only good as his word. Lee's face twists ugly and he laughs a little more under his breath where he don't think I can hear. <laughs> See you tonight, Nikki, he says. <laughs> and happy birthday.
Ma don't barely look up when I get home from the pit. She ain't dressed for no party this year, and I don't smell no pie. Just stares out the window, mostly, sniffling and dripping, whispering to herself about shouldas and mites. Told her I killed the wolf last year, but it ain't seemed to make nothing better. She probably knew when I was lying. This time, I'm going to bring back something to prove that damn wolf's dead. Then she ain't going to have nothing to cry about. See the wolf pacing by the fence as soon as I tiptoe out into the dark. Got on pants and a white cotton shirt. Even a little hat. Like he's some God-fearing man heading for prayers, but he still smells like mist and gritty porridge and old man's breath. And I still look like baby fireballs. I nod at him and start walking away from the farmlands and into the trees. Towards the pit. Slow and steady. Like I don't have no kind of direction of mine. No knife this time? He says, walking behind me. No knife, I say, showing my hands. I ain't sorry I cut you, though. Men kill wolves. Wolves kill men. How it is. You don't say nothing back for a little. Just keeps on following, so I keep on walking, watching the trees get taller and closer in till it looks like the leaves is making shadows on the moon. Pit ain't far now. Never killed a man, you know, he says. Wouldn't know how. Plenty ways. Razor claws, poison fangs, wolfy things. He laughs, but this time it don't sound as wild. You seen any of those? Not enough wolf in me, maybe. Not much left in any of us. Us. Word gets big in my throat. Tries to choke me from the inside. The pack, he says. Could meet him, if you want. Ain't far. He points over to the witchwood, where the trees stay bare and the fireflies glow blue and don't nothing but evil make it through the night. I don't say a thing. Feet feel stuck to the ground like the dirt grew fingers and won't let go. Don't have to go, he says. Just thought you might want to meet some other folks what got sunshine in their eyes. We ain't meant to travel this life alone. He holds out his hand. Moon's high enough that I can see the palm. Gone gray in the middle where I cut him last time, like like a chestnut tree rotten from the inside. Makes me think on what he'll look like laying in the pit. If he'll make that sound like the pigs do at slaughter. If his face will rot away into dust. If there won't be nothing left to take home to Ma but that stupid little hat. I reach out for his hand. You can always kill him in the morning. Damn beast! Lee. You stay the hell back. Ain't taking nobody nowhere. Lee comes out the darkness fast. Can't see nothing clear, but the moon glints off knife metal behind a tree, and I smell sweat and death and berries. Then Lee yells loud and close and angry, and the wolf's hand is still stuck out there, hanging half dead in the air. I hear myself screaming, and I reach out for the wolf like that's going to make some kind of difference, but Lee's too close, and I'm too far, and there ain't nothing to do, really, but pray. Something hits my arm hard enough to spin me round, and I hear a crash. 
like a tree branch falling to the ground. Open the eyes I didn't know I'd shut and Lee's on the dirt, laying still with the wolf peering over him. Lee ain't never laid that still in his life. Kills men too, says the wolf. His voice is a whisper, but his eyes are full fire. You killed him? I think I should be yelling, but my voice comes out thin and wet. Damn fool boy tripped and cut his own self. He says, Why'd you do that? You ain't have to kill him. I say it, but I can still feel it in my arms where Lee must have ran into me. Smell the copper sweet of blood mixed with poison. Neither of us knew ever how to stay in our right place. Told you I ain't never killed nobody, says a wolf. But they ain't gonna care. They gonna burn me and mine just the same. Everyone. He turns his head to the witchwood and then back at me. I gotta. We can put him in the pit, I say. It's a coyote trap, me and... It's a thing we was working on. Wolf shakes his head. Won't nobody blame you if they don't know you was here. Wolf takes a step away, almost trips over Lee's feet. I ain't been looking either, just pretending Lee's a stone or a log or a faking dead just to keep the wolf off guard. Ain't got time for thinking. Just doing. Lee'd like that. Wolf stops trying to get untangled and bends in close by Lee's face, just staring like he ain't never seen nothing dead before. Or I can say one word more. He scoops up Lee's body off the ground, throws him over his shoulder like a sack of flour. Show me, he says. Pit can't be more than three stones throws off, but time goes slow as a molasses drip in winter and my feet feel heavy. Takes most of my mind just to keep moving straight ahead, not look over at Lee's arms hanging down like he's waiting for me to hand him something just out of reach. We still gotta head out tonight, says a wolf. We? I turn my head his way. Almost trip over a branch. The pack, he says. Ain't no telling what your people will do once they find the boy. Lee, I say, even though Lee probably wouldn't want no wolf to know his Christian name. And they ain't gonna do nothing. It's an accident, right? Yeah, maybe. But no sense waiting around to see. Wolf goes quiet for a minute before he speaks again. You're just going to have to meet them some other time, he says. Next birthday. Maybe. I don't say nothing back. Just step and step and hear the sound of branches breaking and feel the leaves crunching under my feet and think on what I got to do. First thing I see when we get there is the rock Lee was sitting on just this morning chewing that damn grass and laughing at me. Pitt's right next to it, still looking just as innocent as you please, like a hole full of leaves just wet from the rain and a chicken like a cherry on top. Wolf looks jumpy, though, sniffing around. He ain't never gonna get too close on his own. All you gotta do is put him right down their leaves, I say. 
plenty sharp rocks down there to look like they did the killing. You'll see. Wolf stares my way for a second and nods, steps careful over the edge, leans over. Only gotta push a little. Lee and the wolf fall together, hitting the rocks like a bad apple from a tree, wet and squishy. Of course, Lee can't notice, just lays still as ever. But I wait for the wolf to howl. He don't even whimper. Just coughs a little. Whispers something about the sun that I ain't listening to. Plenty wolves bane in there. He ain't gonna be doing much for long. Ma probably gonna cheer up once she knows for sure you gone, I say. Gonna stop all that crying. Start making wildberry pie again and everything. Wolf don't say nothing. But I hear panting still, so I know he hears me. And Lee's pa gonna be right proud he killed a wolf. Gonna be telling stories about that for a long time. Lee and Nikki, genuine to-the-bone wolf killers. Wolf don't say nothing. Don't even take a breath. Just smells like piss and death and dust. I keep on talking. Even if he can't hear me none of the rest... How the Witchwood ain't no more than a half day's journey out back. How are they probably going to let me and Lee's pa carry the torches when we burn the whole pack to the ground, cubs and all? How the men going to nod at me and the ladies curtsy and Missy Green bring me flowers at springtime? And how I'm just going to smile and flash my yellow eyes and tell them my ma calls me sunshine. Cause ain't none of us meant to travel this life alone. And welcome back. I've been thinking about perceptions a lot lately. It has been a recurring theme in a story that I have been writing, and here it is again in Wolfy Things. Whether we like to admit it or not, we are shaped by our perception of the people and things around us, as are we in large part shaped by others' perceptions of us. If we love someone, we often try to live up to their perception of us, even if that perception is less than accurate. What I found most intriguing about this story is that our protagonist was blind to the very thing that all of us could see. He was so motivated by his own desires that he never really saw his mother, his father, or himself. Who was the real wolf? Or better yet, is it fair to equate goodness and decency with humanity? What do you think? Stop on by the Escape Artists Forum at forum.escapeartists.net and chime in. Now for this week's episode feedback. Feedback this week is for Podcastle episode number 418, James and Peter Fishing by Anaya Many of you probably already know the multi-talented Anaya She is Strange Horizons fiction podcast editor. I love to hear her narrations, but this is a special treat having her on the other side of the mic as well. Responses to this story were largely positive. Christiana had this to say. I enjoyed the story. I sympathize with James and Peter. 
It sounds to me like Neverland itself is the villain here, trapping its inhabitants in an endless wheel of monotony. Heck, I sometimes feel that way after a long work week. Excellent narration, Thomas. Not a robot was pleasantly surprised. This one surprised me. I almost wrote it off as a simple role reversal of a classic story, which would have been very well boring. But then the ending came and made me change my opinion. Very well done character study. Bravo. Devoted135 was momentarily confused. Did anyone else start the story thinking it was about Peter and James, the disciples of Jesus? Only me? Bueller? Once I got that straightened out, I really like this. I like Hook as a bookish naturalist who was perhaps too serious for his own good, and the reveal at the end that he was only 13. Harsh. The theory that Tinkerbell is behind all of it seems to have the ring of truth to it. Definitely hoping that she, Neverland, will allow their new friendship and understanding to grow. Maybe they will be released when they have finally learned all they have to teach each other. Duango said, The constant phrase from the original book is that children are heartless. The story focuses on the change in Captain Hook, yet Peter changes a lot too, starting as a heartless child who only cares about adventure, becoming a more thoughtful boy who is willing to listen and teach lessons. What is interesting is the contrast of the changes. The captain's outright rebellion to Peter's small steps forward, asking the question here, providing a lesson there. They are both so different in temperament and yet so similar. Peter is becoming less a child and more an adult. James is hopefully finding his childhood, something no adult should completely lose. Thank you, Christiana, Duango, Not a Robot, and Devoted135, and everyone else who stopped by to comment. Keep coming back to let us know what you think of our stories. I, for one, love hearing your varied, intelligent, and thoughtful comments about the stories we produce. For those of you who didn't leave a comment this time, I sure hope you'll jump into the fray on the next go-round by visiting the Escape Artists form at form.escapeartists.net. We would love to hear your thoughts. While you're there, consider making a donation. Every single cent goes toward paying our authors and maintaining operations around this great floating castle in the sky so we can keep bringing you the best fantasy fiction week after week. If you can't donate, that's okay too, but we hope you'll consider blogging or tweeting about us and spreading the word. That was our show for this week. On behalf of everyone at PodCastle, our slushers Arun Jiwa, Christiana Formuler, Aiden Doyle, Troy Wiggins, Setsu Uzume, Crystal Claxton, and Matt Dovey, our audio engineer Peter Wood, our forum moderators Thalia and Asakat, our assistant editor myself, and your editors Graham Dunlop and Jen Albert. Thanks for letting us share another story with you. We'll be back next week with another story. Until then, this is Khalida Muhammad Ali signing off with a quote from Nikita Khrushchev. If you live among wolves, you have to act like a wolf. Now, for a few words about Artemis Rising 3. Artemis Rising is a special annual month-long event across all three Escape Artist podcasts. 
featuring stories by some of the best female and non-binary authors in genre fiction. And being in March, Artemis Rising 3 is just around the corner. Podcastle is looking to fill the entire month of March 2017 with original stories written by anyone who identifies as a woman to whatever degree that they do. Non-binary authors are also welcome and encouraged to submit stories. We're looking for your best original fantasy fiction between 2,000 and 6,000 words. No reprints, please. Keep an eye out for our special Artemis Rising submittable portal. Submissions will be open in September. I cannot wait to see your stories, so get to writing. Peace.